Hello, everybody. I'm Kenneth Copeland. That's Gloria Copeland, and that's Dr. Caroline Leaf, and this is the Believer's Voice of Victory broadcast. Praise God. We're going to have a good time all the day and all the rest of this week. And those of you that were with us last week, you know that uh, we've got a we we have a this very specially anointed Dr. Caroline Leaf in this in this studio today. And it's, it's so important to have uh, God's view, not just the scientific view or not just the common view, but what does God say about it? And particularly when you're dealing with the spirit or you're dealing with the mind, the soul, really, uh, the spirit, then soul, then body, in that order. The body being the least important. The spirit and the soul made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions, the, the intellectual part of you. The spirit and the soul live on when the body is gone. The spirit, your soul is part of your spirit. Therein is the mind. But now, what happens to the mind if the brain is not functioning correctly? Mm-hmm. You, have a, you have a dilemma. You do. Because the mind cannot express itself. It, 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 it's, it's locked up in a in an, a place of of incapacitation, then the then the spirit and the body are severely hindered, particularly when it comes to doing any uh, obeying God or doing anything to bless and and to uh, uh, carry out God's assignments in the earth. So we need people like Caroline Leaf Amen. that God has called as a, a, a specialist in that part of the kingdom. Um, Gloria and I were called in the arena of faith. Now, we, we deal with and, and talk about a lot of other things, but that, that's, that's our major thrust. That's what God told us uh, over 50 years ago, teach my people faith. Yeah. And so to have you here is a pleasure. And it is, a, it is a divine opportunity for all of us. And we want you to know we appreciate you. Oh, thank you. I'm so honored. Thank Father, you. we thank you for sending Caroline to us. We open our hearts and we open our minds to receive revelation from heaven. And we thank you for it. And we give you all the praise and the glory for it, Lord Jesus. In that great and precious name we pray, Jesus. Amen. 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 Let's thank open... You to our, what I like to call the golden text for last week and this week in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear. And I like to read it this way. But he has given us the spirit of power, the spirit of love, and the spirit of a sound 
mind. I love that. So to deal with a sound mind, you have to have a sound brain with which it can function. Exactly. And through which, really is a better, yes, better phrase. Yes, exactly. Through which the mind functions and expresses itself. Yeah. And, um, I, and I will re remind us again of this. And Jesus talked about the rich man, Lazarus, uh, the beggar, died and was carried into the bosom of Abraham into paradise. And the rich man was carried into hell. And one of the first things Abraham said to him is, Son, remember. Now, his brain was not there, but his spirit and his mind were. His memory, his emotions, he got emotional about his, about his family. He doesn't want them to come to this, this burning hellish place. And he, he's, he's he, now all of a sudden he's very evangelistic. And he's, he's begging for them and, and so forth. So all of his emotions and everything are intact. Mm -hmm. The point being, the memory is not in the brain. The memory uses the brain that stores memory, but life's memories are inside the spirit of a man. It's, yes. it's categorized, and it's all in there. Exactly. I read, I heard you say the same thing. I read after uh, Dr. Ben Carson, and he said, <laughs> if anybody could ever get to the place where they used 100% of their brain, they would rule the world. Now, quote the figures. They're so astonishing at the data that's in this, this little pumpkin <laughs> and the, the millions of of just things that's in there. Okay, so you want some numbers? It's yes, I do. Okay, let me give you the numbers. Let me speak loud so you can hear me. Yes, please. <laughs> so your brain's about the size of your that's two fists. Loud. That's loud. <laughs> I'll have to ask God one day. I'm a public speaker and I have the quietest voice. <laughs> so anyway, it makes me work harder. So your brain is the size of your two fists. It's made up of about 100 billion neurons, which is 20% of brain tissue. So there's another 80% of different brain tissue. We only understand around about 10% of how the brain functions. Each neuron, and there's 100 billion neuron, each neuron, for example, as you are listening to me now, at speeds of 10 to the 27, which is faster than 400 billion actions per second, you are transforming my words and all the stimulation around you, visual and so on, into physical structures inside of your brain. So when I say, say you, it's your spirit and your mind are taking what you're hearing, generating that energy through the brain. The brain responds and genetic expression happens and you actually physically build at that huge speed little protein structures on top of the neurons, little branches. So as you're listening to me now, you're growing these branches. You can grow anything from a few thousand to a few million branches. If you have a few million branches, for every, you grow a branch for every piece of information that you're gathering. 
So in a, in a talk like this of around 20 minutes, we will speak about 5,000 facts. So you'll grow about 5,000 branches holding our information. Those branches are made of proteins. Those branches, you can grow, as I said, anything up to a million plus. You on these hundred million, it gets even bigger. You can eat inside one neuron and you've got a hundred billion, more or less. Inside one, we have these very important little structures that we call microtubules that do a lot of things, including being involved in memory. So when you meditate, they're activated. You have about 10 million per neuron and there's a hundred billion neurons per brain and that's only 20% of brain tissue. Then those little microtubules break up into small, so for every branch that you grow, they break up, so you have more and more of them. So one neuron has 10 million, but if you have a million branches growing on the one neuron, then that 10 million multiplies into more millions. Each of those millions and millions and millions of microtubules are made up of little tiny proteins. They're like little rolled up, like a, a sort of a, a sheet of like little beads, and they roll up. And so there's millions of those things. Each of the little beads, which are little proteins, are quantum neurobiological computers. And that's what we are using. It's almost like that's where the spirit is and the mind are working into those little computers and they operate like these little quantum energy computers that we're building with our thoughts. And that's where our thoughts, the mind part of our thoughts are stored. And they connect with the physical part of where our thoughts are stored. And we have trillions and kabillions and gazillions, we don't even have the number of words for those things. Those. One, and we have kabillions and gazillions, one is more powerful than the entire, all the computers on the entire planet. So, so now if you ever get I mean, confused, you know why. <laughs> it's, all the, it's all those things in there going. Exactly, exactly. But that's just the power. So God has designed that kind of power in our brain. That kind of, I mean, you're starting to understand this now. This is memory research. I've got a whole lot in this book about the memory research to show the magnificence of our design. And that is only, your brain has to be brilliant because your mind is even more brilliant. Oh, yeah. Because your mind oh, is connected to your spirit. Yes. So your spirit works with your mind and it's got to express through a very complex structure. And then you add so. to that, once a person accepts Jesus as Lord and Savior, Changes and, and the, the, the spirit is recreated and brought back to the level with God, then we have the mind of Christ. Exactly. Which Christ is the Greek translation of the word Messiah, and both Hebrew Messiah and, and uh, Greek Christ is the English word anointed. We have power. The we same have so much power. Anointing power. Exactly. Available for our minds that Jesus functioned in while he was on the earth. Now you see that's the thing. I mean that is so oh that's mind blowing in a good sense. And and if we get a revelation of that, when we get a revelation of what it means to get in a rhythm with the spirit. Literally, we get our minds renewed and in a rhythm with the spirit. We're accessing that kind of power. And we see science showing us the impact of that power. We don't even need science to show us. We have our gut instinct. We know, for example, if we are in a toxic mindset or we are grumpy or wake up grumpy, or whatever, we know the day goes wrong. We know that if we speak um, 
horrible words to someone. We know that we feel horrible and that they feel, we feel the impact. So we don't need a scientist to tell us what we instinctively know to be true, that we as humanity have life and death in the power of our tongue, which is coming from you know, all those scriptures. It's there. It's, it, it's in existence. You break someone or you build someone with your words. And, you know, I saw this in my practice during Kenneth. I saw this so much. My patients would come into my practice with, I chose, let me give you a bit of background. I practiced clinically for 25 years. I'd done brain research for 30. I still do brain research. I still do clinical trials. I work with teams of doctors, neurosurgeons, neurologists, neuroscientists. We're starting a huge clinical trial in January um, where we're looking at non-pharmacological interventions for people with anxiety and depression. In other words, no medicine, mind. Get your mind right, get your life right kind yeah. of situation. So I took this approach in my practice and I've translated all of this into my materials and whatever, but essentially I would work with the worst of the worst. Everyone, there was always this population that people didn't want to work with in, in, in the world of therapy, the, the adolescents and the really difficult people. So I chose in my practice from the beginning, from day one, to take those with the worst brain damage, the worst emotional problems, and get into the worst parts of South Africa to actually work in the trenches with people that have been abused, raped, etc., etc. So I've had extensive experience working with broken humanity for honestly close to 30 years, hands-on broken humanity, rejected humanity. And one of the first things that I would see in, in and it came from experience, etc., was that people had this impression of themselves that they didn't measure up, that they weren't good enough, mm -hmm. and that they had no, and that took away the sense of purpose and hope. We spoke about hope yesterday in, in last week's Friday broadcast. And when someone lo had loses a sense of purpose and hope, which is totally tied into identity, and they don't feel that they measure up, they then have there's this meaninglessness, there's this, and it leads to tremendous inner conflict and tremendous confusion. And then people start becoming the failures that people tell them that they are. So the mind then changes the reality of the brain. You spoke, as you introduced the segment today, you spoke about how if our brains aren't working properly, then our minds can't mm -hmm. express themselves. Our minds change the structure of the brain. That's the power that we have from God, the mind of Christ. It changes the structure of the brain. So therefore, if we are going to think that we have our failures, we change our brain to become a failure. So our mind is changing the structure of the brain. The brain simply does what the mind tells it to do. Well, and that know, is I why just, we have I, to I renew our mind. It's something I've, I've known a long time, but I just more clearly saw the process. If you, you have to think something before you say it. Exactly, very good. Now, you keep saying something. You keep saying the same thing again and again until it registers in your spirit. That's you. You are a spirit. You have a mind. But if it registers in your spirit, then it will begin to control your life. And I just saw how it controls it. The spirit then takes the mind and commands it to produce it. Exactly. The and fruit. it will produce it. It will, it will grow it. Exactly. You've got it. That's exactly you, you what's get this, you, you, you get the concept of this when Jesus said, the sower sows the word. Mm -hmm. These are they mm -hmm. by the wayside mm -hmm. where the word is sown. So... 
uh, and he compared it to uh, showing plants. He compared it and so, well, he compared it to the earth. He did. He com what, what is the kingdom of God compared to? He said, it is compared to a man mm -hmm. who puts a seed in the ground. Mm -hmm. He goes to bed night and day, rises up. The seed grows. He doesn't know how. Mm -hmm. But the, when the seed produces harvest, he puts in the sickle and harvests it. So <laughs> the earth, the ground, God created the ground to grow. That's what it does. And, and it, it has it in itself to grow. Exactly. You put something in the ground, it tries to grow it. That's the reason if, if you put a wooden fence post in the ground and you don't do something to treat that wood, the ground will do its best to try to grow that. Yes. And so it does what it does. It breaks down the husk of the seed to allow it to grow, so it'll rot the bottom of that post. Mm -hmm. I mean, the ground will grow anything that you stick in there. Yes. It'll try its best to grow it. That's mm -hmm. what it does. Mm -hmm. Now, he compared their spirit to that. That's learning. And I just, it just flashed through me. Yeah. I, you, you, you just keep saying that, and you just keep saying that, you just mm -hmm. keep saying that, and it finally registers on your spirit, and your spirit says, all right, we have to grow that. We have to bring that to pass. That has to happen. Yeah. Because that's our assignment. Yes. And so it immediately, immediately transacts with the mind to bring this thing to pass. You're going to say it more now. You're going to say it more. You're going to do things to, uh, to advocate that. You're going you're gonna to bring this thing to pass. And it may be a cancer. Exactly. And it may be wealth. It, it may be healing. Depends on where you get your information. You create your next reality. If you renew your mind to this, you bring this to pass. Exactly. Whoa. I'm going to preach on that. <laughs> yeah. You know, if I may, um, at this time, or in the next episode, the next broadcast, I wanted to show, bring up a slide of my theory, the research, which is exactly what you've just described, but it's all scientific language, only to show people, not to go through all the science, but to show people that there is a blend between science and spirituality, and that science, I, I spent my 30 years trying to understand this principle of when you think and feel and choose, you grow you grow, you are putting that whole analogy, you've just, there's a practical side to that. So whatever you think about the most is growing. Yes. Whatever you're focusing on, and in quantum physics, they actually have a term called quantum, the quantum Zeno effect, the QZE. And that's the repeated effort that makes learning take place. So memory is also part of what I've researched and the quantum Zeno effect. What does it mean to have a repeated effort? What does it mean learning's taking place? What does it mean you plant the seed and it grows? So the whole science behind that, if you look at an image of my theory now, they can just bring it up and show. But essentially I show that the, the whole spirit mind body connection and the response in the brain and if you as you're using your mind you are actually creating this physical change you literally like that fence post is growing the ground will grow you literally are growing with every thought that you think so whether you like it or not you are creating matter 
out of mind. You don't treat that wooden pole, you're growing something. So you are always growing. When you think you have grown a thought that has life forever. Every thought that you grow has life forever. So when it's a toxic thought, we obviously don't want evil and toxicity to constantly exist. So it has to be reconceptualized, hence acknowledgement, repentance, redesigning, etc. So we know once I was like that, now I'm like that. Thank so you transform. We have yes. to have to have been introduced to Jesus, to know Him, and now His blood effect is affecting the past. Oh, glory we to can, God! We can actually, when you've just said something so quantum physicsy that you didn't even realize it, how the blood affects the past. There is a principle called retroactive causation, and all that means is the blood affects the past. Retroactive causation, causation, and it's like retro prayer. It's literally seeing that in eternity, the present, the past, and the future coexist, and that as you praying, as you step and you're really praying, connecting with the Spirit of God, you're stepping into eternity. So you're actually transforming how the future plays out in the present, and how the past is going to play out into the future. That's quite a lot to get your head around, but that's what eternity is actually doing. That's what prayer, genuine prayer is doing. It's not begging God for something that already exists. It is accessing the ingredients of what does exist in potential form and transforming them into reality by the words that you speak, which is based on the thoughts that you are thinking, which is based on the power of the mind of Christ. Why right, you apply 1 John 1, 9 to that? That he is faithful and just, righteous, mm -hmm. to forgive us our sins and to cleanse when we confess them. Exactly. So we're, tr we're, we're trusting Him with the sins of the past. Exactly. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I learned mm -hmm. years ago, years ago, long, long time ago, that I cannot afford my feelings. I can't afford to be led Toxic by them. Feelings. Toxic yeah. yeah. I, I can't be afford to be led by that. Mm -hmm. I have to be led by this, mm -hmm. which eventually changes my feelings. The toxic, yeah. Yeah, it, it, but it, 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 the moment I believe I receive that forgiveness because he's faithful and just, not because I feel better about it, but because he's faithful and just, mm -hmm. what does that do? Changes my thoughts. I begin to change my words. And as I change my words, faith is released. Whoa. <laughs> Hallelujah. And the, 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 the toxic part of that is just neutralized and totally. And, and that happens scientifically. When you're doing what you've just described, you've taken this toxic thought. Now we've got all these trillions of thoughts that we've been building memories from conception. Um, so we've got all these thoughts that are in our unconscious, and there's so many, we can't think of them all at any one time. So they get stimulated by the, the events of life. So every, like now I'm talking, you've got all kinds of thoughts coming up in your heads, which is your existing memories. And you use that to understand what I'm saying, or to process what I'm saying from your unique perception. So as soon as something moves from the non-conscious to the conscious, and you become aware of it, it becomes malleable, which means changeable. So as you now get a revelation of the spirit or whatever word you use, which is Christian language, what's happening scientifically is that, now let me take a good one. Here comes the scripture that you've so said a million times. Hallelujah. 
you've added a new branch on because it's a new level of meaning. And you've I have this overwhelming insights. thought of we're out of time. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Join me and Gloria today in welcoming Dr. Caroline Leaf to this Gloria, you are just stunning you. today. <laughs> I, I haven't seen that. He acts like he just now noticed and... Fifty-five years. No, you, you have not had this in five years. I would have known it. I was kidding. I said in fifty-five. Is that how long we've been? You there? sure hadn't had that fifty-five. <laughs> <laughs> That's a beautiful blouse. Is what thank I'm you trying very to tell much. you. You are pretty sharp yourself. Well, thank you very much. You got these nice shirts. Yes, <laughs> Jesus oh, thank you, Lord. Lord. Amen. <laughs> Let's read our text. From 2 Timothy 1 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Now, I'm, this, oh, this book, <laughs> I love it. Be not therefore ashamed. That's his very next statement. Be not therefore ashamed. God, he's saying to Timothy, this young pastor, and can you imagine a young man pastoring Jesus' mother? <laughs> and they're saying, he's just a kid. Yeah, but God placed him there. Amen. And he's got the Apostle John in his church. Whoa. <laughs> anyway, God has not given you, he's talking to Timothy now. God has not given you, boy, a spirit of fear. He's given you a spirit of power. He's given you the spirit of love and a sound mind. So therefore, don't be ashamed. Amen. Amen. Boy, that's, so that stands up and talks to you, doesn't it? It does, yes. totally. And that's just right down the line of, of what you're talking about. Exactly. When, when, you're, when you allow yourself shame and, 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 and self-put-down, uh, people have the idea that to be in humility is to put yourself down. That's not Bible humility. The scripture doesn't say debase yourself. It says think of others more highly than you do of yourself. Well, you should be thinking soberly uh, mm. of yourself, according to Romans chapter 12. That's really good. As God has dealt to you the measure of faith, you have a measure of the same spiritual force that put the planets in their place. Glory to God. The moment you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you don't have any business being ashamed about anything. Everybody's fouled up, screwed up, messed up. There's only one man that didn't. And they killed him on account of it. So, but thank God that living Christ is inside your spirit and if you'll give him the tools to work with, he'll renew your mind, and shame becomes a thing of the past. Amen. And you walk free, glory to God, by his blood. Beautiful. Amen. Get us back into this thing, Carolyn. So what you just linked into what you've just said, when I worked with my patients, which I mentioned yesterday on the broadcast, that I practiced clinically for 25 years, and I'd work with patients that were broken, broken, I also work with people with a lot of brain damage and learning problems and that kind of thing. And everyone had been telling them all the time that they were, had problems. So the constant message over, spoken over their life was they can't or this is wrong. And so, it's so it was so sad 
then they would walk into my practice with this complete lack of identity, this shame of um, it's hopeless. There's, it's, uh, you're just going to tell me more things that are wrong with me. You know, that was kind of the mindset when they walked into my practice. So what I decided to do very early on when I practiced was to first talk about people's identity. Let them see the power of their uniqueness. Let them see the power of who they are and understand that there's something that they can do that no one else can do. Let them get a glimpse into the power of the mind of Christ. Now, I worked with all populations, so I didn't use the scriptures in my teachings, but I'm talking God's science, so it's God's stuff anyway. So it, it was, it was, so I would use the terms of science, I would show images, but the concept was to, to tell a person, to help a person see that you know, you, you mean something, that yeah, there man. is hope. Because they would come in with such conflict. Now, as soon as you strip someone of their identity, they lose their purpose, they lose meaningfulness. And Viktor Frank was a great example of this. He was the, the, the Jewish psychiatrist and neurologist who was in the concentration camps for three years. And he developed a whole form of psychotherapy when he came out of the concentration camps based upon this one concept of identity gives purpose and hope and recognition of I, that you can strip everything else from me. The world can collapse around me, but you cannot take me. And he yeah. said that the you ones know, that yeah. survived, the people that survived were the ones that had got a glimpse into that or who coped in, maybe didn't always survive the whole way through, but coped and were able to help others and reach out to others. They had this sense of identity. And I've been to, I don't know if you've been to the, the concentration camps at Auschwitz, I've been there. And when you walk through there, the whole place is designed to strip people of their humanity, mm -hmm. to dehumanize, take away identity. It's, it's, un, it's unbelievable. You can't come out of there without being completely experiencing the brokenness and the coldness and that's what I saw levels of that in my patients so I decided from day one when someone walked into my practice the first thing I would do would teach them how to find their identity I would let them talk and express their pain and tell me where they were at so that they felt heard people don't feel heard we've got to listen to people and really listen with all our heart and then to show them hey you can do something that no one else can do and I developed a profile that took me seven hours to administer in my practice but I simplified that down to an initial very short like summary profile that I would do sometimes my patients wouldn't even get out the car they were so traumatized by the parents taking them everywhere or an adult was just so broken they would just sit on the side of of the road or something so I would sit wherever they were I would sit with them and say just answer yes or no there's no wrong answer and just let's do this little questionnaire and it's got it's all based on brain research and science that there's no wrong answer all I'm trying to understand is your identity who you are how you uniquely think how you uniquely feel and how you uniquely choose. Because the way that you think, feel and choose is unique to you and no one else can build the thought that you've just built right now. It's unique to you and it's got, it's, it's got a, an, an eternal spark in it that's gonna transform your brain, create matter and transform the world. So I'd come in with that level and they would always inevitably say, please, let's start. You know, and I would do the little profile, I would print out a little graphic and I would say, okay, this is how you think and how you feel and how you choose. They would transform in an instant. They would say, oh, can we do a longer one? Within a few moments, I would have that person eating out of my hands. We would build a relationship. What did I do? I simply 
gave them an insight look into their identity. And I spent my first few sessions with my patients teaching them about the power of the mind to change the power of reality. We didn't even touch on their issues. Because I thought, well, let's first see who are you. Let's first peel off all this, this debris and all this toxicity and get down to the core of your identity. Let's give you purpose and hope. Because when you're in that position, now you have a resilience and a strength and you, you, your brain is transformed. Your neurotransmitters are changing the way they flow. Your blood chemistry has changed. You've activated genetic switches that are going to um, help you increase your resilience. You're going to have a very, your brain is wired for love. So all the activation of love is occurring on a neurophysiological level by this stage. So now you're much more open to say, why do I have that inner conflict? Why am I battling with this? Now we're in a position here where we can address this because now this toxicity is no longer their identity. This is their identity. And they realize that this has come through life experiences, the human condition, as you quite rightly said. We all go through stuff. We all make mistakes. We all experience stuff. I call it category one and category two. Category one, toxicity is the bad choices we make, and we all do it. Category two is the traumas of life that we can't control. We can't control the events and circumstances of life. But there is something that we can control in both of category one and category two of toxicity and that is our reactions. Mm -hmm. But if you mm -hmm. don't know that your identity is one of power, if you don't know that there is actually hope, if you don't realize that, that your unique way of thinking, feeling and choosing is wired for love and that's not your destiny, you get stuck in toxicity. People lose, they get into shame. Now that scripture says you do not have to be ashamed. If you know that you have a love power and a sound mind, you don't have to be ashamed. You can take this stuff, bring it into reality one step at a time and deal with it. So in other words, from a position of power, from a position of soundness, from a position of love, you now have the strength to deal one by one with these issues and work through rewiring your brain based on rewiring, I mean, re re renewing your mind and accessing the power of love to do that. It's, it doesn't fail. And those techniques, I, those, that very complex profile that, I mean, never had a dry, dry eye in the, in the studio, in my practice we would have boxes of tissues because the realization to tell someone who's always been told that that's it, that's the, that's the model, you're broken, you're a broken machine, learn to live with it. I was trained to teach my patients to compensate. I never taught my patients to compensate. I taught them identity and I taught them how to cope and how to deal with the realities of life. And all of that I put in my materials and I developed this profile early on in my practice. I broke it up into simple versions and one of those parts is in this book, a really simple version that's in the middle part of this book called the gift profile because it is a gift. It's a gift from God to know that you are as unique. Unique means standalone. Each of us is a standalone designer babe. It is a gift from God. It's you, a gift. Because you're not going to get it from anybody. No, yet. it's a gift from God. He's the only one that loves you that exactly. much. Exactly. <laughs> and, and, and planned. And I know the plans oh, I have for that you. Good. That so that designer, so if, you, if you give someone that revelation, it transforms people from, I would see people in totally poverty written poverty-ridden environments, socioeconomic, political environments in South Africa. I worked in the apartheid era in the schools in before and during and after. I grew up in that time and I chose early on in my career to go in and to work with people that no one, if you were white, you didn't come out of those areas alive. I came out alive. I'm here for 25 years, three days a week faithfully. I would go into those areas and work with those people. I could drive in there nine months pregnant. I've had four kids and I would have an escort in, escort out. No one touched me. Why? Because I brought a message of hope. Mac used to build homes for those people. 
and I used to go with my teams and we used to go and teach them about the power of your mind, the hope, the identity. This is what you can do. This is how you learn. This is how you build memory. This is how you can transform yourself and your community. We had one young girl one day, this is the most amazing story. I was teaching this. I would have hundreds of people that would just flock all over from the community. We used to use the schools and they would sit there for hours, five, six, seven hours. They wouldn't move. These were starving, hungry, broken people. They didn't move. They would flock all over. They'd pouring out of this, the doors just to hear this message. And one, young, one day, one young girl was brought to the front. She came creeping in and she was bleeding. We thought it was her menstrual cycle, but it wasn't. She had just been raped. And she was, she was not going to miss Dr. Leaf's session. This was the determination, the perseverance, the mindset that, this, that, that had been created in that environment. She crept into that, that, that classroom. The, the teachers pulled her aside. We stopped everything we, you know, to address the situation. She told us what had happened and she said, I'm not leaving. We wrapped her in a blanket and she sat by my feet the entire five hours. I mean, I get tearful just thinking about it. That's the kind of thing that transformed and drove me to continue my research, to get a message to the world that when you understand the power of your mind to create realities, when you understand that bad stuff happens, but you can, there's a way of coping, when you understand the need for love, entanglement, that we as a humanity are designed to support and help each other, and when we pull together as a community, on a, on a small scale and translate that globally, we transform the world. Can you imagine if each and every human, human operated in their love identity? We wouldn't have wars. Wars, crime, racism, all these things are coming from people's lack of identity. Mm -hmm. You don't fight for someone if you know who you are. If you know who you are, you become humble and loving. Look at Jesus, the perfect model of how we're supposed to function. The most humble, the wisest, the perfect, the, the model and of the perfection. And the most powerful. Yeah. The model of perfection of how when we understand our identity, we can transform global communities. You know, and that's my desire is to try and show people not you bad, you've got to do this, this, follow this rule. It is to show you, let's talk about who you are. Hurting people hurt others. Hurting people make bad decisions. <clears throat> and if we can teach people their identity, it transforms how they make decisions. Caroline, there was a man um, many years ago, back before and during the, the uh, era of the Great Depression here in the United yes. States. Mm -hmm. And he was tried and convicted and sent to prison for life. <laughs> and he, I don't know enough about, I know a lot about the man's testimony that I read from, but I don't know a whole lot about the background of Dad Trueblood. Mm -hmm. But he, he got hold of the principles of love mm. in that prison. Vital. Mm -hmm. And he began to teach other inmates the same principles that that we're discussing. Now mm -hmm. he he never had the blessing to have a book like this. He just the Lord just gave it to him. He just and it. and he mm -hmm. began to teach those guys, and he he taught them right down the the line of the that that love is the key. It's the key. And you have the love power and to so, forgive. Yes, and he kept teaching these guys. Beautiful. Well, he he got on up in years and he had he had been so instrumental in the beautiful. in the changing of of men's lives in that in that penitentiary. 
for all those years, that they, the, the warden, and, and they, they got together and, and secured a pardon for him. Wow. And, and they, they said, you're, uh, Dad, you're free. Wow. You, he said, I'm, I'm really free? They said, yeah, you're a free man. And, and he said, well, if I'm a free man, he said, and I can, I can do whatever I want to do, can I? They said, yes. He said, here's my request. I don't want to leave. Wow. I want to live here. And carry on doing what he's doing. He said, I, I, I have a, God's given me a ministry here. And he said, uh, I, this is where my life is. And if, with your permission, I'd like to live here. And they granted it. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. You see, love wins. Love always, the perfect love conquers fear. All that, everything you're saying, and that, that you know, you talk, spoke about teaching in a maximum security prison just recently. I've done that too, quite a few times. We have, I wanted to be with the same one. There were also about 800 guys locked up for life, terrible crimes. And I remember I taught these principles. And when I walked in, I mean, I'm a woman, so there's always those issues of they look at you very differently. And I remember when I walked up thinking, wow. And I remember there was this metal thing at the back, like a little cage thing. And we would, I had all these security officers, and they said, officers, and they said um, around me, and they said, if anything happens, we're going to just grab you, throw you in there, lock you up, and then, you know, get everyone out and then take you out. So this is like the most casual thing. I'm thinking, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, now I'm walking in here, and I've got this, these armed guards, and I've got this big cage thing that they're going to lock me in if necessary. And um, so I'm thinking, okay, well, let's just go beyond that and walk into life. And I just started teaching these principles. And I just taught for, I think it was a couple of hours. It was boiling hot. And, you know, you have to dress up, like cover everything when, you, when you're a woman in these prisons and so on. Um, after two hours, there wasn't a dry eye. Every single guy was on their knees. I didn't even do any kind of salvation thing. I just taught them about love and the science of love, the power of the mind. I walked out of there. They were, they were, there wasn't a dry eye. 800 men were on their knees crying. And as I walked out, when I walked in, there was this, you know, you're a woman, what can you do? You, you just know all these terrible thoughts. And when I walked out, there was just love. You could tangibly feel that love. Oh, yeah. That prison now uses my materials. They teach each other. There's a whole group of them. They do the Bible studies. They do all these teachings. And it's not one prison. It's multiplied to, we keep getting these emails of I don't, all this multiplication that I didn't even, the seed that was sown is multiplying. You know, that's the purpose of what we're here for is to get love. Because mul love multiplies. It's the seed that never stops multiplying. And when we sow it correctly, it will never stop. So I also teach on the science of love, which is vital to understand how that works too. So we can have long conversations. Well, talk about, about, talk about the science of love for a few more. We've got about three or four minutes. So, so essentially, love, this, from the scientific angle, we see that as humanity. Now, we can see each other. We can see physical. We can see that is the the 1%, what we can see. We can go inside our bodies and there's brains and there's hearts and we can go inside those and find cells. We can go inside cells and find... So we can keep getting smaller and smaller and smaller. All of that exists. As you look at me, all of it and each other, all of that exists. We can also go down to an even lower level, which is your subatomic level, which then gets into the world of quantum, which means energy. It means packets of energy. Nothing weird. God is the source of all energy. So God is energizing all of it. So at our most fundamental... Love. And he is love. He is so love. he is love. So what they find, and that's based exactly on what you said, and they, scientists say that word, God is love. So they say at the most fundamental level, we as humanity are waves of 
love, love waves. So we have this, we're generating this love wave. So you have yours, I have mine, I can't take yours, you can't take, but we are, uh, we, we, in, we intersect. So it's not, and, and, and we live more than that. We're immersed in this gravitational force and some Nobel scientists won the Nobel Prize for their work on quantum gravity. And that quantum gravity that we're immersed in are waves of love. And Sir Roger Penrose, I mentioned the other day, has done the mathematical <coughs> calculations showing that we're most in love. And all this love, they talk about it being potential. They use a fancy word called Aristotelian potential. Aristotle was a Greek philosopher and he spoke about the potential humanity has to do good and to do evil. So they talk about how we're immersed in the potential of love. So we waves of love. We enhance by each other's waves or broken when we're in toxicity. We can get damaged. So you can imagine these, you know, waves like this from here. This is healthy waves. This is toxic waves. And we're immersed in waves of love. So when we make healthy decisions, when we think, feel, and choose correctly, when we operate in our powerful mind, our sound mind, our normal default mode, we add more love into the universe, into the world around us. Heaven is at hand. The, 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 inter, the, the universes that, that we live within, and it's a big concept, but they don't run parallel. They intersect. We are intersecting. We intersect with heaven all around us. So when we step into the love zone, we're intersecting with heaven. We're stepping into wisdom. We're stepping into the potential of wisdom, and that is why we have to live lives of love in order to access that power and utilize it correctly, or we will abuse it and make wrong decisions and produce toxic fruit like war, like disease. Disease comes from man constantly through the generations distorting our genes. That's where disease comes from. God only makes good stuff. But when you distort the good, you get bad. So, you know, these these we create stuff. We, that power is creative force. We talk about that throughout the word of God. It's spoken about the fruit of your of your work, etc., etc. There is fruit. There is consequence. There is reality. We create matter with our mind. And the science of love shows us that the normal is love. That's the normal. So, therefore, we are wired for love. We live in love in the potential to actualize that. But we learn to fear. So we have to learn to do this. We have to learn to distort the truth through wrong choices. Through all and that comes wrong. down from parent to child, from parent to child. It goes through the generations. The, yeah. generation, the sins of the father will reach through to the third and fourth generation, but we're not responsible for our father's sin. So, but what does happen is it comes through the DNA and it passes through the sperm and the ova. And then it passes through the thoughts. And as you're speaking, you influence people's thoughts. And that passes through. So we, it passes through the generations. But fortunately, whatever comes through toxic-wise from previous generations is wrapped up like sealed. So our stuff we've all inherited from the toxic thinking of our parents and grandparents and generations back, which has created mutations in our own bodies, which has increased our vulnerability to disease and to brokenness in our bodies. That is, that is all sealed and less activated. Now, here's your faith principle in action, faith being love, etc., and, and the connection is that you can, through the power of your mind, think of power, that we have mind, the power of the mind of Christ and think of the faith that you constantly teach the two of you when we are when we through what we think with our powerful minds if we think oh, there's always been um, heart attacks in our family so therefore I can get a heart attack oh there's Alzheimer's in our family I may get Alzheimer's oh we've always had alcoholics in our family or whatever you activate you wake up something that's all that thought <laughs> Come on, join me again today in welcoming Dr. Caroline Lee to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
Great. Look at that. Now Gloria's got on another, and so do you. Beautiful outfits. My. Thank you. And I'm so blessed. Oh, wow. You're so handsome, too. Oh, well, thank you very much. I was hoping, I was trying to get you all. Yeah, no, no, you're so <laughs> you, you need it. You deserve it. You look good. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. We're studying from Dr. Leaf's new book, Think, Learn, and Succeed, Understanding and Using Your Mind to Thrive at school, at the workplace, and in life. Glory to God. You interested? I am. <laughs> now, yesterday when we closed, um, let's take up there. I, I, was, I was hearing, and we're, we're talking about that God's given us the spirit of a sound mind, mm -hmm. and we're supposed to have a sound mind. I, I, I remember... It really struck me just out of the, just, just as a revelation one day, you know, I'm supposed to be healed. I'm supposed to be well. I'm supposed, I'm talking about biblically, I'm supposed to prosper financially. I'm supposed to be like that. That's what Jesus gave his life for. Mm -hmm. To get us out of this curse, <laughs> this, this cursed way of thinking and, and, and the, the power of his love began mm. to dawn on me mm. that that's what love does. Love is not punishment minded. Love is reward minded. Mm. And, and the Bible says to even come to him, you have to believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those that yeah, diligently exactly. seek him because he is love. And yesterday we were talking about that, that kind of power that the, yeah. the, the power of God. Mm -hmm. And and I want to mention again today that one of the hardest things for human beings is to renew the mind to spiritual unseen forces. Mm -hmm. And they're here. We're surrounded by not only angels, we're surrounded by, by devils, principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world and all of that. It's all here. But none of them, the, the, the angels of God nor the devils of hell, have a right to impose themselves on human beings because God won't do that. They have to have an open door. And when we learn by faith to open the door and close the door, close the door to the devil and tell him to get out of here. James 4, 7, submit yourself to God, resist the devil and he'll flee. Amen. Amen. And open the door to love himself. Exactly. And and the power of it, and this, these these unseen forces control life on this planet. It's not just action and reaction; it's working all the time. Mm. It has to do with the spirit, the soul, and the mouth, thoughts spoken mm -hmm. again and again on one side or the other. I've talked enough. Get us back into that. I, I want to go right back where we were.
uh, yesterday's broadcast and, and, and talking about the, the power of the love of God and how it changes things. Transformational. Well, we were talking yesterday about the fact that every time that we use our powerful mind, we create something. So we, when we think and feel and choose, when we connect into our, activate that quantum spiritual nature of ours. There's something really going on. It's really it going isn't on. just, just no, a thought. It's really, it, there's something happening. Exactly. The, the research effect that I've done, and maybe we can just show the, the viewers the slide of my theory again, it, which is a scientific theory with a bunch of images, and they'll see purple and green and different colors on the screen. And that actually shows that um, is the scientific theory behind what I'm about to say now, which is totally spiritual. And that's that we are spirit beings. We have a mind and a, mind and a spirit, and we live in a body. Now, we all know that, and it's all connected and integrated. We, we know that. That's like logical. We see that in, in Scripture. So scientifically, science must always align with what's truth. So we see um, in the theory that I developed, it was trying to explain this non-physical, powerful 99% um, of who we are. So our spirit and mind form collectively the 99%, and that's where the power resides. The physical simply obeys the power of the spirit. Oh, that's good. See, now that's, yeah. that's, and that's a faith principle, because <clears throat> if we understand that, we're doing that all the time. We're always creating matter. We, with our mind, you know, we, there used to be that derogatory term, oh, it's mind over matter, so it's something negative. But it is mind over matter, because that quantum world, you explained it as well earlier on, the quantum world is all the stuff going on around us. It's not just cause and effect. That's the most scientific statement you could have said, because it's so totally true. We're immersed in multiverses, in, not multiverses, in universes, lots of different things. We don't really understand it. We're immersed in all this gravitational fields, and, and that is God's design of what we don't fully understand yet, but science is revealing, but it's awesome, parallel, and, and um, uh, things that are happening at quantum speeds, and then we have the physical, which is happening much slower. So we're operating on two, two levels, literally two dimensions, and the power of the one to influence the other is enormous. So our mind works through the brain, like we've been saying. So that's kind of a summary of what we've been saying, mm -hmm. which led us to the point yesterday where we talked about the science of love and the fact that we as humanity at our most fundamental level break down from cells and eventually into waves of love. And that when we choose, that's our natural wiring, and we immersed in love, in these waves of love, that this gravitational field is not something weird, it's this energy of love, this potential to transform. So as we as humans connect into the spirit realm, we then transform ourselves and the results, which is faith. It's, you make these things come to pass that God has already put into existence, that substance evidence. So now having that concept as a foundation, if we look at then wrong decisions, toxic thinking, not dealing with traumas, keeping things inside of ourselves in, in this toxic, this, what this representation means, the toxic tree. What we've done then is we've kept something that if we don't deal with in our lifetime, it will pass through the sperm and the over to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. Whatever passes through pass, is going to impact in two ways. Number one, it damages the physical because this is not normal so whatever goes through in our dna that's not normal is creating a wake of destruction so we see the body breaking down so we see this as a thought that could over you, time could breaks you down that with what happens <clears throat> what creates a tsunami you get a uh, a uh, a movement in the ocean shore of uh, floor and it, it's like you put your hand 
under the water and you move it, well, the water is displaced. Well, the same thing happens. The energy going through that water at from 450 to 500 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. It's energy that's... Pulling. And there's nothing to stop it until it gets... until it hits a, a physical barrier someplace. And then that energy is expressed on the other end of that thing. So that kind of thinking creates a tsunami in our body that just... the, the waves of it are all over the body. If it's toxic, then it's damaging cells. Yes. It's, it's, it's damaging all of the... the and at quantum speeds, every yeah, cell, every yeah. 75 to 100 trillion cells in our brain and our body, and in an instant... And we quantum have a speed is approaching the speed of light. It's way, it's way beyond. Is the it way beyond of, the speed of The speed of light is, is a classical physical term. The speed of light is bound by classics. It's Einstein's theory of relativity of mm -hmm. space-time. So it's 186,000 miles per second. So that is basically physical. Quantum is way beyond that. Because it's, it's a ten, exactly. It's ten. They 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 estimated <laughs> it at being that. ten to the twenty-seven. Ten to the twenty-seven is a number we don't even understand. It's it's way beyond four hundred and fifty billion actions per second, which is way beyond the speed of light. So the speed of light's nothing in comparison to what our spirits do. Wow. So the speed of light applies to the physical. The quantum I is a totally yeah. different speed. So we have, it's, a, it's almost an infinite speed. If we, if we, and that's the energy that is moving through our bodies all the time, in addition to the physical energy which is moving at that much slower rate. So we have always have these two working together. It's this interaction that's happening. We call it interaction, interactive dualism. It's this effect of our mind and our brain, this power, the mind of Christ. So we can take all the science and always anchor it back in Scripture to understand it in a different way. But if we take that tsunami concept, it's excellent, excellent example that you've given to explain we can have a tsunami of love which only mm -hmm. generates this incredible energy because as humans right now sitting next to each other, you're alive so therefore you're emitting this physical energy that Einstein studied and that then is linked into this quantum energy so we're giving off energy, we, that's why we, we connect with each other, there's a connection between us. Now if you are toxic, we pick up toxic energy so we can't read each other's thoughts but we can pick up on each other's attitudes which are reflected through this toxic energy so you might go up to someone who you know they're smiling at you but you just feel uncomfortable so that smile's not genuine it's not really they don't really want to be or they're thinking a bad thought about you or something so you pick up the the cognitive dissonance in the in the energy because now the love wave has been disturbed so that's you've got this unnatural this is not anything weird this is pure science it's from God God is giving us science to understand the power of faith the power of humanity so now taking the tsunami in the negative direction related to the where we thought where we came to the end of yesterday's discussion where we captured that thought we can with our toxic thoughts create these tsunamis through our body which create mutations in ourselves or a, a moment of of, uh, of of some kind of somebody says something sharp to you. Yes, and it like cuts you. You <laughs> and, feel and, it, and you don't, and, and you don't respond in the love of God, but you respond in like kind. You, you create more toxicity. The, the tsunami has begun. The tsunami has begun. You know that's why a gentle word turns away wrath. You know we see in the proverbs. We, we see what we're supposed to do. It's not always easy. So you have to train yourself. Oh, if you're connecting with the spirit of God every ten some seconds. Some people live in a tsunami.
They do. They do. They do. It's it's continued thing. It just goes on break, and on and exactly. on. Exactly. And then they actually, when they live in the tsunami, Gloria, they increase their vulnerability to disease yeah. by 75 to 98 percent. 75 to 98 percent. Wow. They shorten their lifespan every 12 months by 43 percent. I mean, this is science showing us. This should be an encouragement to everybody. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Just worrying about amazing. something increases your chance of making that happen by 63%. I mean, we've seen this. Is, I can give you one statistic after another to show the power of the mind. So that tsunami will damage, and that tsunami creates mutated genes. So in your own life, you mess up, and then you die, but you've passed this on because you may not actually physically have children, but you've been in contact with family. So by your words and your actions, you've changed other people's genetic expression. So just by pouring toxicity into a child, a child, for example, growing up in an abusive environment, they may never have children, but their mutated genes will pass through to the next yeah, generation. Now, that answers the, uh, a question that, that has um, been a problem to people. <clears throat> a child grown up in a terrible situation, mm -hmm. uh, say an alcoholic parent, and, uh, and abuses the son, mm -hmm. abuses his wife, mm -hmm. and so on. And, and the son says, boy, I tell you what, if I ever get grown enough to get out of here, I'm leaving, and I'm never going to be like that. Nine out of ten times, he turns exactly the same way. So now let me explain that. So what happens there is that mutated gene has come down. So that pattern of thinking has now, what the child was, has come through the, the, the physical and the spiritual the quantum, because you're in that context. You always have to consider yeah. a person's environment being their context, and that's generating quantum energy. So it's been absorbed into that child, every single part of that child's being, every system that responded in a certain way, like you might may be feeling fluy on a certain day and get abuse on that day. Your body remembers that. You get over the flu, you go back into a similar situation or a trigger, and you feel that same flu symptom. You don't actually have flu, but your body, your body cells retain the memory. So there's this very powerful... Um, connection between the mind and the body. So why does it carry on? So it passes through, but here is what we're not taught. Um, we're not told, and we don't really connect that correct spiritually. That's why science and spirit have to connect, is that the sins of the father reach through to the third and fourth generation, which accounts for the patterns, but we're not responsible for our father's sin. That's what we don't understand. So that's what I try to understand with science. So that means that if you look at what comes through the generations, it's not your normal design. Therefore, it's wired in. It's, your body recognizes that abnormal little dormant pattern, and it's wrapped up, it's dormant, it's like literally sealed, but it's still an aberration in the, the body. So your immune system of your brain and your body recognizes this as something that shouldn't be there. It's toxic. So your immune system starts responding to try and fight it and get rid of it. So that's going on. But the most powerful way of eliminating... That's chaotic. That's chaotic because it can't penetrate through the barrier, so it can't get rid of it. So that can cause in itself autoimmune issues and various different cardiovascular, etc., etc. Um, but that is, the, how do we remove the seal if we're not responsible for our father's sin? So therefore we're not responsible, that means it's come through, but the fact that it's not dormant is a scientific confirmation of the fact that I can't be responsible for what my great-great-great-grandmother and grandfather did, but it's in me because I'm from that bloodline. So what do I do? 
I, with my mind, which is the most powerful part of me, I think, feel, and choose correctly. I align with the Spirit of God. I use faith to believe the Scriptures, and I rip that thing, unseal it, and eliminate it. So by being aware of it, I can say this far and no further. I will not have this. And that is why people break patterns. Like look at Joyce Meyer, who was raped repeatedly by her father. She had a brother. He wasn't raped, but he saw the toxic patterns of his father's pornography and abuse of his sister and abuse of the mother. And the ma- So he grew up in... Joyce Meyer reaches millions. She found the love of Christ. She ended up having going mm-hmm. through bad marriages, but in, ended up getting into the right. And now she transforms the world with her message. Her brother died broken and meant, with all kinds of issues, even though Joyce and Dave try to immerse them, him in love. So there's two kids from the same family that grew up. So what is the element of power that changes that situation. It comes down to the individual. It's what, like Viktor Frankl in the concentration camps. What does it come back down to? It comes down to the recognition of who I am. And therefore, if I understand I have a unique way of thinking, feeling, and choosing, I have that ability, that grit, that power to choose correctly despite my circumstances, which is what Joyce did. It didn't mean that she didn't go through hell on earth while she was going through it and that she doesn't still have, because I've had conversations with her, and I've had conversations with many people in my line of work who have gone through extreme trauma and how it persists into, we're always working on something. It's part of the human condition. But your power of your mind to recognize, hey, that is not my destiny. That is not who I am. I can change it. I can rewire. I can learn a new way. And that's what I would design for my patients. I designed a technique mm-hmm. on how do I capture that, bring it up, not be f- part of my past, which is one thing I'm fighting. The, I, I eliminate it. Not l- learn to control my reactions and then learn to deal with the traumas that happen in my lifetime. So we're dealing with three things as humanity. We're dealing with people's past decisions, our own dumb decisions, and trauma, things that happen to us. So we've got to be smart enough to handle them, this, and we are. We are brilliantly wired, but we need the power of love in order for us to make those right decisions. And in one of the first, last week in the broadcast, I spoke about how science shows us, because I'm thinking, okay, I've got to tell my patients that you can do this. I need science to back. I need to show them how. They're not interested in, let me tell you, with all due respect to the the scriptures, they could often quote scriptures, the ones, but they were still broken. So in all respect, I have to bring in... they're, They're tying scripture to religion. Exactly, not, not to, to reality, not God. to relationship. So yeah. the relationship yeah. gives you the power because yeah. relationship encourages you to change your perspective. So the relationship with God, with having a, that personal relationship, that love in a relationship, could give them the ability to do the next thing, which is the work. And the work is the recognition that I have this power to change, that I can change. So I developed... Um, also a tool that is basically the five steps of how we transform our mind. So I wanted to see scientifically, all the theory and all the science, once I've given someone the identity, I need to give them a hands-on tool that they can learn how to cope with the trauma, with the stuff from the past, the stuff that's come through generations, so that they don't persist and repeat that pattern into their children's lives and the next future generations. I need to teach them how to cope on a day-to-day basis, Mm -hmm. and I need to teach them how to deal with trauma. If you don't deal with those three, it's going to kill you. And if we don't acknowledge that these things exist, which the current model of mental health 
doesn't want to acknowledge this. And that's another discussion which we probably will only have time to touch on tomorrow. And I'd love to touch on that because Good. it's blocking people's ability to move forward. But for, for the moment now, if we can teach a person about the power of faith, the power of love, the power of God, what we're doing essentially is saying that on a practical level, this is how you renew your mind. Yes, you take out daily, you spend 45 to 60 minutes a day minimum studying knowledge. Part of that knowledge is understanding what's in the scriptures. Another part of that knowledge building is learning about how you function. So the kind of books that, that I write to, and other people write to help you understand. You. And it's also your line of work. You're brilliant. Develop your mind. One of the greatest tools to developing and dealing with our toxic issues is to grow your intelligence through principles. Through I just had knowledge. a thought about one of my dear, dear friends. And uh, he was an illiterate bricklayer and no schooling at all. And he decided he'd had enough of that. Then he decided he was going to become educated. Now this, this is back years ago. He's, he's probably um, Peter Daniels. I'd say he's Oh, I have maybe, known of him. I've heard of him. He's maybe two, his, maybe three years older than I am, so they put him around yeah, 85. Yeah, like that. yeah. Mm -hmm. this, is back at, this is back before smartphones and, and computers. Exactly. He read the Encyclopedia Britannica. From cover to cover and studied it. From How many a, of you have done that? Exactly. <laughs> he educated himself. himself. Isn't that and he's one of the most educated men in the world. I mean, this man, is, is, he's got a phenomenal Brilliant. I've heard of Brilliant him. mind. And to just to just sit and visit with him is just an experience. I can know? imagine. But he made the decision. He I'm chose, not going to be ignorant anymore. Am I going to be caught in the past? Am I going to be ignorant? This is a choice. He became a very, very wealthy, born again man of God. Influencing <laughs> the world. See, that's and then, like me, he married up. <laughs> Amen. And we're out of time. Oh, gosh. Oh, my we didn't goodness. even start this, did we? <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I realize in, in speaking with you today, I understand why the Lord said something to me many, many years ago. That, uh, and we might talk about this tomorrow. He said, I can't expand your ministry any further. You're too high-tempered. He said, you advise your staff... Don't you read anything about yourself in print again, ever. Don't read the, the articles. Don't read the ugly books that people are writing about you. Don't do it, good or bad. He said the bad stuff is too hard to get rid of, and the good stuff is more dangerous than the bad. It was a pride. Because you don't even try to get rid so of that. Good. You start believing your own press, you yeah. know. <laughs> and we went through crisis after crisis and didn't know it was on. I didn't know they were talking that ugly about us. Nobody told me. And we just went on just loving everybody, and, you know. And, Best way to do it. And, and then later, after we found out, we said, oh, well, you know, that's their problem, not mine. I remember you telling me that when we were, we were having lunch together one day, and we were talking about people, and, and I mentioned something about I saw this post on social media. And you said to me, are you reading your social media? Are you, isn't your staff supposed to do that? And you gave me this lecture. So since then, I've taken your advice. I'm so excited about the things that we're learning. It's good, isn't it? It is. You know, I, I'm... It's going to help you a lot. It's going to help you.
just thinking that, Gloria. Yeah, thanks a lot. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I love it. Well, thank you, Lord. A merry heart does good like a medicine. That's a good one. I was thinking, Gloria, as, as Caroline's been teaching, there's, I, I, I think of incidents and things that's happened to us over the last 50 yeah. um, two years that we've been in this ministry and how the love of God has been the thing that was so protective oh, of you and me because we could have, I, I mean, we could have been a, we could have been in a state of strife all the time. There's somebody saying something ugly about us all the time. And it, you know, that, and people make sure that you, you yeah. hear it, you know, make sure you get it. <laughs> and, um, I remember that back the time when, when uh, Senator Grassley's office was, and they they six different churches that ministries yeah, and, and we were uh, under attack of that. And I, whoa, we really had to practice that during that. Yeah. To keep from just staying in a just wanting to spank somebody, you know. <laughs> Lay on hands. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah, suddenly, very suddenly. But you, you can't do that. No. And uh, so we learned how to, First Peter 5, 6 through 9, well, actually 6 through 10, casting the whole of your care over on him once and for all. And, uh, and so just didn't touch it. Well, in, in just staying there, I, I learned this. That person will come up in front of you. Immediately, I mean, before that thought has a chance to to even germinate, just immediately they say, "Oh, I, I would do this." I would say, oh, "Glory to God, I love I love Senator Grassley, and I do, and um, I love that man, and, and I hold faith up around him in the name of Jesus. I forgive him because actually he was very little responsible for this thing. It was members of his staff that that actually caused the trouble." Yeah. But anyway, I didn't know that at the time. And so I just, just hold that there, just hold it there and hold it there until that thought subsided. To keep it from, because from, if you ever start that conversation mm -hmm. in your mind, be well now, you know, if I, if I see him, I'll see him. And, and you start doing that. And that running conversation gets more toxic as you go. It doesn't improve, it gets yeah. worse. Now the tsunami has started and that stuff's running through your body. And then, then comes after that comes the flu. And then after that comes because you're breaking down your immune system and all of that. All the bad stuff comes too. And the, 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 the terrible thing is most people don't have a clue. That that's behind exactly the problems in their lives exactly, and all the time, it just it just takes a few seconds, and you just say it out loud. My I love that guy, I pray for him, God help him, and just not just don't let the devil start feeding that stuff to you, and after a while you get to where it it, it begins to go away. Now I want to say all that to say this. It was at a moment like that, 
that suddenly, wow, that's the answer to that. I saw how to stop it. Wow. And so I, I called John in and I told him, I said, now here, John, here's what we need to do. I said, you call our friend over there at, at, at a certain local TV station news, and then you get him, get over there with his camera, yeah. and then you get our cameras there, and you call over to Dallas, the IRS office over there, and uh, and you tell them you want to meet the director there on the on the front steps, mm-hmm. and take all that information <laughs> that that uh, Mr. Crashley's office was yes. wanting. That we there's no way we're going to turn it over to them because if you if you violate the, the confidentiality that's afforded you, you violated your partners. You violated you know this, and I couldn't do that. I said, sir, and John said, Mr. Grassley, here's all the information that you've asked for, and and handed it to the director, and he said now and gave him the address of the Internal Revenue Office in in Dallas. And he said, now here is a letter addressed to you through the director here of the IRS inviting you in the presence of the IRS and inviting the IRS to come do a complete church investigation, or in other words, an audit. Yeah. Anytime any day of any week. Thank you very much. It ended. Wow. There was no answer to that. And the wow. guy over there at the IRS told John, he said, y'all forget that. We don't come over there and audit you guys. He said, we audit you every year. He said, we know, we know you people. Then he said, who do they think they are telling us to try to run our business down here? Yeah, <laughs> Such a good answer. So see what happened? Yeah. Love showed me what to do. You conquered it, yeah. I would have never received that ever. It's Not in a hundred years mad at the senator. Exactly. You got, you got no wisdom. No. No wisdom when you're crazy in the zone. Oh, I can, yeah. <laughs> that's really the truth. I didn't mean to say that you're not crazy. Well, no, but that's really the truth. You do go a little crazy. Because those are crazy thoughts. Yeah, they are. And, and they, 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 if they're not love thoughts, yeah. then they don't produce faith, they produce fear. Exactly. And they're still producing. That's the key issue. They're still productive. And that's the devil's territory. And if he keep you over there in that thought realm and in that that strife realm, he'll whip you 100% of the time. But if you keep him in the love, faith realm, you can whip him 100%. Exactly, exactly. Yes. You know, a scripture that's always helped me so much, because Ken and I, we've had, he's not the first guy that ever said anything ugly about us, but... The scripture says in in uh, the Amplified, love is not touchy, fretful, or resentful. Pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Mm. Does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. The most needful of those is love is not touchy, fretful, yeah. or resentful. So Somebody... Good offend you, be quick to forgive, and you go free. And then what they do is their problem. That's right. Amen. That's 
than ever exactly. in the history of the exactly. planet. Exactly, exactly. Thanks to people like you, praise the Lord. <laughs> and you. <laughs> and the, those of us that have learned these things. Yeah. And people are hungry for They're it. hungry. There's, you can never, love is, is, a, is a guaranteed message that everyone will listen to. There isn't anyone from one side of the planet to the next that won't listen to the concept of love. And you've spoken about these certain, certain principles that you've spoken about here, and if I may bring them back to a scientific level, there's a discipline involved in this process. You know, like you're saying, Gloria, it's, it's to discipline yourself. Don't get fretful. Don't do that. You know, really master those things. It's a choice once again. But it's a disciplined, intentional, and deliberate, self-regulated choice that we need to make every 10 seconds, which is what we're designed to do. So it's not just now and then. It's every 10 seconds. Six times a minute, we have the opportunity yeah, to practice. consciously... Practice exactly, practice. So, exactly. So it becomes habituated. And that's what, in my research, what I wanted to try and help my patients do and myself do is how do you make that a lifestyle, that it's constant all the time. So I wanted to see what happens when your mind works through your brain. What is the process that happens in building memory? In building the memory of this scripture, for example, as a lifestyle, that as someone says those ugly things, that you immediately don't get fretful, that you immediately, as you said, it goes away, it becomes the problem, it's not your problem. You don't take that into you. You and go free. You go free. So that's on the one hand, how do you block the toxic and get free? And how do you build your brain, like the story of Daniel Mills, what, uh, Daniels, Peter Daniels, yeah, Peter. we have to build our brain. So we see from research that our brain is designed to be grown every day. If you don't grow your brain every day, your brain becomes toxic. You develop toxic waste. So when you wake up in the morning, you're born with all these extra brain cells mm -hmm. that you're supposed to think into action during the course of the day by learning. So as we go through the day, we're supposed to study. And that's what I was saying in yesterday's broadcast. And you can choose the elements of what you want to study. You're always learning. You're a thinking being. So you're always all during the day. But you need to have packets of the day allocated to study. And obviously studying the, the, the scriptures would be a priority so that you get those principles in your head and daily. Also studying the knowledge of whatever you're interested in. I always tell people my buy books or textbooks of how to do this. So you study them and then find something you're interested in. You know, maybe you're interested in, maybe you're still at school. Make sure that you study well, that you become excellent at what you think. Maybe you always had an interest in a, some topic and you're not at school, but you want to just grow your brain. So go and take up some other, do a course if it's for non-exam credits or whatever. Keep studying. That is one of the best ways mm. of growing the brain, mm. keeping the brain and the mind mentally healthy and actually being able mm. to discipline. It's part of the discipline of the mind and the brain to actually operate in the love zone. So we're not told that enough. We're not told that if you grow your brain, you'll discipline your brain. That's the one side. There's a five-step in doing that. There's a five-step process that our mind goes through in order to wire new information into the brain and to make it a habit. There's five steps and there's a time period. So even though our spirit man, 99% is beyond space and time, we have to use time consciously and deliberately, the today, tomorrow, next week, etc., in order to make sure something goes into the realm of the spirit. Okay, so to make something 
none time, we have to use time, which doesn't make sense, but it does make sense. It's how it works. So in other words, if research shows that if we do five steps daily, for a, um, five steps daily for at least one 45-minute session to build our brain, but I'd recommend more. I try and do at least two to three hours every day and to build my brain. And if I use also the same five steps to detox my brain, and I'm doing that mm. daily, but the, the detoxing part you only do for about seven to 16 minutes. And the reason being is because you're dealing with toxicity and toxic feelings. This is healthy and healthy feelings, so that's good. We can keep growing. But this you can only handle about 15 minutes a day. And it goes to what you were saying, that if you keep thinking about it, you just get worse and worse, the tsunami. Mm -hmm. So you've got to control the tsunami because when you bring this up, remember, as soon as you start, okay, so in these five steps, what do they do? And then I'll, then I'll bring it back to the tsunami. Essentially, and I go into depth in this book on these five steps and how to use them to build your brain and detox your brain. So essentially, when you are focusing, like now, you are focusing on what I'm saying. The listeners are focusing on what I'm saying. The audience is focusing on what I'm saying. You've made a decision to focus you shut everything else out and you are making a concerted effort to learn that already aligns your brain and prepares your brain to start building so you start building you start gathering awareness of the incoming information so step number one is choose to focus deliberately and intentionally on that and not let the distractions come in and you tell yourself when you focus so that's that's just I'm just giving you the big picture that's the first thing it starts preparing the brain then for learning the second thing is that you then have to really analyze the information and I basically break that into three steps, which is ask, answer, discuss. Ask, answer, discuss. Ask, answer, discuss. But what we're doing here, the conversation we're having is a very good example mm -hmm. of that, mm -hmm. where we talk about something, we're asking, we're answering, we're discussing. And you do that in depth over a paragraph at a time. So you read a paragraph, you ask, answer, discuss, you read a paragraph or you listen. That's The first step is get it in, Le reading or listening. Second step, step is this deep and the analytical Medi thinking, meditating. Mm -hmm. The third step is write it down. Your brain writes it, so when you write with your hands, you force your brain in the direction you mm. want it to go. Well, that's the thought. Yeah, so yeah. You, that's why you're always writing, which is excellent. So you're forcing it in the way you want it to go. You're disciplining your, your brain. Then you check what you've written to see does this make sense. You align it back with the original source material that you read from. So you, you just do it a paragraph at a time. You don't go and try and do it with a whole big text. You just paragraph at a time, read it, think about it, write it down, check it, and then say, okay, what do I learn from this? What is my action from this particular thing that I've, that I've worked on in terms of building my brain? What can I, and maybe it's something like, if it's detoxing, something that I, um, that I was working on um, for a long time in my life was I always would say, if only, if only I did it this way and get myself mm -hmm. stuck in such torment because I didn't. And I, you know, okay, so you, you can recognize. Sure, yeah. So by doing this process as a detox, over a period of daily five to seven minutes a day, I would apply those five steps. And in that search through, why do I say that? Where is it coming from? You start getting to the roots of why you do what you do. Then... You don't stay stuck in the toxic because it's very constructive. Those five steps are very constructive. I'm becoming aware, I'm thinking it through, and it's limited. I'm doing this in seven to 16 minutes. So I'm only allowing one and a half minutes per step. So one and a half minutes to become aware, one minute. One and a half minutes to do the analyzing, one and a half minutes to write, one and a half minutes to do the checking, and one and a half minutes to work out some sort of little active reach. Now, you do that today in that time period, and then tomorrow you pick it up again, and you go a little further, and you go a little further. And what we find is from the research, and this is very what I was really immersed in for years, was within 
21 days, you have literally destroyed this completely. You've redesigned it, reconceptualized it into a healthy replacement way of thinking. Praise God. Now that becomes the new way of thinking. So to let's think it back, link it back to Senator Grasley and what you went through yeah. and as the example, now here's the situation that activated it. So you didn't make consciously go through the steps, but you did them because it worked. So you were doing them unconsciously. You were grabbing every time you had that toxic thought. You were thinking this is not good for me this is not what the scriptures yeah. say whatever you did a think thing you maybe didn't always write it down but your brain writes things anyway but sometimes you may in your bible studies have written down a few notes to yourself because i know you both write when you do your studies and that would have been a topic so at some point you wrote you then worked out you checked what you were writing this is going to destroy me you worked out a plan of action so that you do that consciously during the day but in, in that in that seven to sixteen minutes but in the day when the opportunity comes up Oh, you hear another thing, you hear another thing. Now he's saying this, now they're saying that. Now you have multiple opportunities during the course of the day to respond negatively, but you did your work in the morning. So you have this active reach. Step number five is this action. When I hear another thing about Senator Grasley attacking my ministry and saying this about me and Gloria or me and Kenneth, I am going to, because you already worked it out in the morning, so you don't have to go through the five steps again. You simply apply in that instant. I will love, I will whatever it is that you did. Mm -hmm. So you then mm -hmm. train yourself. Oh, by the 21st day, after three weeks, you have, as I said, destroyed this, built up a long-term memory. As this thing goes on, now for, you know, you're still hearing things that takes through, it didn't just finish in a week or three weeks, it carried on for a few months. So I'm using this example to help people understand. What we see from research is that now it's much easier next month because I've done the three weeks, I've got a long-term oh, memory. Oh, that, that's a big thing too. It becomes easier. Yeah, it's becoming it's easier. It's become easier only because you've done the work. The first 21 days are so hard. The first four days are really hard and most people give up at day four but if you push through and you persevere and you get to day 21 by day 63 now in the second two rounds when you go from because it's, it's cycles of 21 days that you work these three-week cycles it's how our brain our body and our mind heal in cycles of 21 the first 21 is the real hard work it's the you sit down deliberately intentionally every day and detox or you sit down deliberately and intentionally every day and build and the building is is good stuff so you spend long on it the detoxing is you're getting rid of bad stuff so you only spend seven to sixteen minutes no limit on building limit on toxic okay on detoxing so now once you pass the hard work time of 21 days it's now kind of easy so now you just need a reminder I put reminders on my phone I have an app to help that I've created that actually helps people to to in, to do this where you've got a and it pops up it'll pop up every day on my phone on my computer all my devices and it says remember don't do an if only today or whatever it is that I'm working on. So all I is it's a prompt and I remember not to do it. So when I'm in a situation and I feel myself going back into my if only, because I've been reminded multiple times a day, it's easy for me to grab, I'm not going to do that, I'm going to do this. Because I'm now practicing using this. I remember how I was. This is no longer here. I now have transformed my mind. It's discipline, it's choice, it's hard work, but by day 63, you now have a habit, and now something miraculous has happened. By the 63rd day, you have pushed that conscious, deliberate, beautiful, new, healthy thought that you've built with your mind and your physical brain. It's in two places, in your physical brain and in your mind. You've now pushed it in your spirit. Yeah. So now it's gone from the it's from registered the, in, it's your heart in your now. spirit. So the three levels you're using your mind to change the physical. And now it'll change. And now your life. exactly it goes in the spirit. People don't yeah, get to that point. They give up at day four. They give up at day seven. They give up at day twenty-one. They just give up, and then they keep starting again. And then twenty years later, they come into you with the same issue. 
and the same problem. I didn't allow my patients to do that. We worked on cycles of 63 days. And if they weren't transforming, whether it was a learning skill, whatever, we would, I would say, okay, now we have to have a little conversation here. We have a contract in place. You need to understand that I can't fix you. You fix you. I give you the techniques. But you have to take the choice. And that's exactly what the scriptures say to us too. God is there with everything for us. Mm -hmm. But we have to choose to take that. We have to choose to step in the love zone and access wisdom. It's not going to jump on you. You have to jump into love. So that's the principle operating. I teach that in here. Praise Sorry. God. I gave a whole preach there. Sorry. <laughs> Absolutely. That's exciting. This, and it's doable. <laughs> um, Jesus literally had to break the force of what Adam did. You and I have no concept. We can't understand it. We don't have any concept of what this environment was like before Jesus was crucified and went to hell and broke Satan's power over this thing. We have no idea what kind of dark pressure was on this planet for many thousands of years. We don't have a clue because we've never experienced that. As bad as stuff is now, at least people are not eating their children. They did back then. And, and it, was, it, whoa, it was crushing. But thank God, Jesus broke his power and our freedom is so much more obtainable than it was back exactly. then. And we've, we have his word, we have his spirit, we have his name, glory to God. We have his science. Yes. We have God's science, and which the is the heart of the beautiful part of the science is it explains it. It does, and gives you the hands-on how to do it, the discipline, do this, because people, that's what people would ask me, how do I do that? I believe, I, whatever, but how do I do it? So now I can, it's been such a, a pleasurable journey for me. Welcome, Caroline. Thank you. Um, so nice to be here. Now, this is, hasn't this been, just it's been rich great. and good? Yes, I, I just, that just blesses my spirit. It's going to really help you. It's going to help me, I know. <laughs> Aren't you glad? I'm kidding. Aren't you really glad? When yeah. I get helped, it makes things nicer around that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. Ken's the sweetest man. <laughs> um, take a go, just continue and take us on in, further into the... I, I'm so... I'm so thrilled with the science of love. I mean, that just... It's so exciting. That really has excited me in this. And, and, uh, but then you were talking yesterday when we closed about an additional area that you want to go into. So let's, let's get in there. Yeah, so we've been, we really got into this concept of, you know, I like to example of the tsunami and how we can get ourselves caught up in toxic thinking. And we were talking about how you can practically break that through, um, through science. And that's what I try to help my patients do. And now reaching millions around the world, get free in their mind with toxic thinking or um, traumas or the, the, you know, the things that happen to us in life and that you can actually do it. And it's a disciplined approach. 
that power that we have in ourselves to get really disciplined about that so that we use a deliberate and intentional way of self-regulating and then that transforms and we build these long-term memories which take time and we spoke about that we spoke about the fact that things don't happen instantly and we have to really get our heads around that in this day and age because in this day and age we're sitting with with two major constraints that are stopping people these broad these are two major broad constraints that obviously have a lot of sub areas to them and those are our technological age which has got many positive but also negative and then the way mental health is actually viewed so just the technology very quickly the technology keeps us um, gives us access to information which is fantastic gives us a way of communicating which is fantastic has opened doors to people being able to express themselves which is fantastic but we also know the negative side of all of that toxic connections toxic attacks and and too much time on technology and there's been a direct link between misuse of technology too much time spent on technology and damaging the brain because our brain just does what our mind tells it to do our brain merges with the environments that we focus on what you think about the most grows so it's, it's so it's it's good to balance the technology and i talk about that a lot in this book um, but what it has done is if you take the toxic side it's got people to you know when you build a puzzle you get the pieces and then you start building that is a good process but what we're doing with technology is we just gathering the pieces we're not taking the time to build we're not taking the time to think things through so it's just not deep thinking we designed for deep intellectual thinking we're not designed to um, understand everything when you look at a twitter feed which on average is less than a second you know we're thinking that so we've got conditioned into the quick fix mentality mm-hmm. and that's taken away our ability to think and when we do that we actually <laughs> physically damage the brain and so we need to watch that now that's changed the way we think it's actually changed um the way that our our students are thinking our kids and adults because this is not just our kids that we need to tell to put down the cell phone it's the adults too so it's becoming a global pandemic problem so we need to learn ways to manage it so you now you've even got things like you can got apps on your phone that will tell you how much time you spent on social media and all kinds of things to help you control it because there's a direct link between excessive use of technology and um depression anxiety which are not diseases which is why I want to talk now about mental health. So it's really good to observe it just very quickly people thinking probably now how long could I safely spend on technology a day um and social media and 2 and 1/2 to 3 hours is kind of the safe limit but the average person spending up to 8 hours. So we can see already that extra time that's being spent just mindlessly scrolling through Instagram, Facebook which is influencing how you perceive yourself and your identity, your identity's been damaged, changed, crushed. That is a big part contributing to people's dissatisfaction. Now people used to spend from 4 and 1/2, 5, 6, 8 hours a day watching television. and they're still doing that but now it's gone into technology. But now they've it's transferred a lot of the t- particularly the younger uh people have transferred that time over to the to their devices. Exactly. And and it's not to just the, uh, t- we, to the phone mostly. Exactly. Now we used to think it was just the young people, but according to the latest research, tw- 2018 research, the adults are as bad as the youth. So it's become it's it's crossing all generations. And that is a concern because if we don't think we damage our brain we damage society we make we make crazy decisions and so on so we, it has a very strong boomerang effect it also creates toxic waste in the brain which shortens our lifespan 
you know, and that's why people feel those 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 kind of mismanagement of mind now, issues. Now, what is that toxic waste in the brain? It's literally is proteins. It it's proteins and chemicals, yeah. and that then disturbs the energy in the brain. So if we we have um, if we don't build like this, this this is not healthy material in the brain. It's proteins, chemicals, and it also has energy. So it's toxic. So if we're not using our brain correctly, we build a lot of this. And, over, and that it physically damages the brain. It creates neurochemical chaos, and then it generates energy through the body and affects every cell of the body. So we, things like, for example, um, they are showing now with, with oncology research, cancer research, that 98% of cancer comes from how we use our thought life. In fact, 75 to 98% of physical disease is coming from our thought life. So the 2 to 25% of disease is coming from exposure to toxins, which are also the result of people's thought life because someone chose to use their mind to create the toxin that they put into the environment, you know, the toxic food, the toxic chemicals. So, you know, man is abusing a lot of our power to create things that damage the environment, which then in turn mm -hmm. damage humans, mm -hmm. damage the soil. You spoke about soil and that we only understand 98% of the soil. Only understand, sorry, only understand 2% of the soil. So we don't understand 98% of the soil that covers the earth and without the soil there is no earth, there is nothing. There's, as you said, life is in the growth concept of the soil so we don't know what all these toxic things are doing to the environment etc so we need to be very we need to be stewards of creation and that's also what I'm trying to teach in all my work stewards of how you look after your brain your body what you eat what you're doing to the earth what you're thinking about all this is a, steward, a discipline of stewardship discipline so then if we talk about mental health we see in one of the first broadcasts last week I mentioned that people are dying 15 to 25 years younger for the first mm -hmm. time in decades which is shocking mm -hmm. that people are dying in this technology medically advanced age um, where we have access to everything at our fingertips and they are tracking that back primarily to the way that people are managing their mind and so that's the primary thing the secondary thing is what we expose to in, in the food and the environment so those two factors are killing people younger and they are basically referred to as preventable lifestyle diseases. So we need to look back at our lifestyle. What are we thinking about? Because that's the dominant thing, the toxic thoughts, the bitterness, the unforgiveness, the constantly getting caught up in those tsunamis of toxicity, which is destroying our bodies, etc. Mm -hmm. Then we get to the element that's huge in this, and that is very huge, especially currently, and especially from 50 years ago, but just has gained in momentum and that is the management of mental health so when we talk about the concept of mental health immediately we then think okay then there's mental illness and so we hear of mental illness or has been something that is on the rise and we hear one in four people are on antidepressants and we hear that we're not screening people enough and we hear that we've got to now take screening and make sure that we get mental health services globally to every community and and to the far reaches of the earth and then we actually look, what are we doing what is this model saying? And this is a big issue and it's a big problem. So I'm going to make this as simple as I can because it's so significant because I am seeing people being destroyed by this wrong model. This model says that mental illness is a disease and that you are stuck with it for the rest of your life because you are a biological automatum. In other words, you are a robot. You're a robot, you get a broken part, so now we're going to just add a chemical to fix it. Forget about you being a human. You're no longer a human. This is what this model, I mean, I'm just personifying it and exaggerating, but this is essentially what this material, this, this model says. This, so the current mm. model of mental health says that you are not a human with a brilliant mind and a story living in the human condition and life. It says that you're just a robot with no free will, it's an illusion, and we call that model 
a neuro-reductionistic, materialistic model. It's completely against the model of Christianity, which is idealism, which recognizes our humanity, our brilliance, our ability to do all the things we've been discussing for the last nine days. So if we remove that element, if we ignore the spirit and the mind of man and just look at the physical, which is what we would call a biomedical approach or a biopsychiatric approach, what we're saying is that you're only physical, your spirit doesn't count. And if you do that, it works for physical medicine. So it works if you've got diabetes and we can do blood tests, we can identify that you need insulin and you can be given a medication. You can have a blood test or something. It works for basic medicine. It's a brilliant model for medicine. It's not a model for the mind. But it's being used without evidence, without scientific evidence, although they say there's scientific evidence, but it's skewed and it's become an industry. An industry mm -hmm. yeah. of changing and controlling people's minds yeah. where they are told that they're biological automatons. Very expensive. Very expensive. Yes. And so within a, within a, a five-minute to 15-minute um, consultation with a doctor, a psychiatrist generally, or a, some sort of someone in the helping medic, mental health field, a checklist is filled off. You answer some questions about do you feel sad, do you, have you been feeling sad for longer, whatever. And in that checklist, you get given a diagnosis and a label and a medication. Nothing about your story, nothing about what you're going through. Maybe you were just have lost a loved one. So you're obviously depressed because depression is not a disease. Depression is an experience of the mind right. in response to bipolar depression, <laughs> general anxiety disorder, schizophrenia, all these very scary names. They are not diseases. They have no scientific foundation. They are not chemical imbalances. They, the public has been played by the pharmaceutical industry and by the psychiatric industry yeah, to yeah. control people's minds. You take away people's ability and you get to actually, and this, this will get you, you take away people's ability to, to, to tell their story, to express their emotion, and then to deal and reconceptualize. You take that away from them, you dehumanize them. If you instead say, okay, you are a disease-broken individual, Ignore that. Let me give you a brain disabling drug. That's what psych antidepressants, antipsychotics, anti-anxiety medications and stimulants like Ritalin do. They are brain disabling. They literally disconnect the spirit of man from the physical body mm -hmm. because they numb the brain like an anesthetic. And not only do they numb the brain, they damage the brain. So over time, you get cognitive decline. Your brain starts getting damaged. So you land up on disability because you can't function. Your in chances of suicide increase. They are putting your chance of aggression. The average psychotropic medication, which is all those I've just, just defined, um, they, they are, have an average of 1,800 to 3,000 side effects and every single one of them is negative. Mm. There is mm. nothing positive about them. The only reason people feel that they work is because they numb the pain for a season. But they cause damage in the brain, the pain comes back, so a, a negative cycle comes, starts coming up and then people get put on multiple drugs. It's called polypharmacy. This is happening to kids as young as two and three. They are saying that, that a child can be diagnosed in the womb with depression. No. They have spent billions of dollars, valuable dollars, on trying to find what we call the neurobiological correlates or the genetic cause of mental health, saying that this is a normal brain and that if you deviate because of this genetic abnormality, therefore you have this disease. They are trying to take this model to the world, which says that if you don't have a normal brain, this is what a normal brain looks like, you're diseased. This is a very big money-making industry because research is coming out at the same time as this very unscientific move, it's a global wave, 
showing us, like just recently coming out of Yale, which is a top Ivy League university, that there is no normal brain. You can't say someone has a normal brain because everyone is completely unique. So and everyone has a story. So if we don't recognize the uniqueness of humanity, which is what the Bible talks about, sure. and if we don't recognize the uniqueness of a life experience, the human condition, and a person's narrative to explain that, we are going to destroy brains. And that's what the current mental health model is doing. Since t between 2000, and I can give you a million statistics, but I'll just give you this one. Since between 2004, uh, between 2004 and 2007, they increased, um, they increased the amount of antidepressants that they gave to adolescents. And the suicide rate increased in, in tandem with that. There was a causative link between the issuing of an antidepressant to an adolescent and the link to suicide. Mm. And suicide, we spoke about in one of the broadcasts, it's happening one every 45 seconds. And they are doing real excellent research showing that there's a direct causative link, not even a correlation, a causative link, which is a very strong link between the use of these psychotropic medications. And it's happening across all ages, all populations. And the countries where they don't, can't afford the drugs, we find better mental health healing because they're done through the community, through love, through listening to the people's story, all the logical stuff that you do to help someone who's in a crisis. That has been removed by this model and it's killing people. And the church has to, I'm actually on the mental health initiative in Washington. I've been I'm on, the, on the committee and I put forward a proposal that the best place for mental health is in the church because in the church we have communities of love that understand the principles of love. So we need to not push, the church should not be pushing people into the mental health system, which is what they're doing. We should be calling them in and offering love. Yeah, you don't need a PhD God. to help someone or a doctor or a white jacket. You need one qualification to help people and that is love. And that's what science consistently proves. So that's, I'm on a real band wagon with us because people are dying from preventable li lifestyle diseases because they don't understand love. My so, goodness, praise God. A, Thank you, Lord. So I need help with this. <laughs> I need people to change. I need, I need a groundswell that we can actually impact and change this as a, as a, as a global community. And Thank help you, each other. Lord. Mm. Praise God. Father, we thank, let's pray over that. We thank you for the opening of the understanding of people's thinking yes. in this country. And the whole, the whole country's crying out for answers. Why, why are these terrible atrocities taking place? Why are people just losing their minds and going out and killing people? Well, the answers are here. The answers are here. And we ask you to open the doors for Caroline and people like her that have the answers to these things. The answer is the love of God. And we give you praise and thanksgiving for it. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Uh, how much time have we got, Tim? Huh? Six minutes. I want to go into Second uh, Peter. And look how Simon Peter, as servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, where did he get his faith? Mm -hmm. Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. Yes. He got born again like everybody else. It's not the fact that he's an apostle yeah. that he had that kind of faith. Mm -hmm. the it's change. the fact that he's a believer that he had that kind of faith. And he said, you have obtained like precious faith with us. 
Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. What did he say? Grace and peace mm -hmm. be multiplied unto you through knowledge. Mm, that's brilliant. And you can't believe beyond what you know. Exactly, because you, yeah, you've got to learn. And this is the only information you can trust mm -hmm. is the Word of God. Not as a religion, but as a personal relationship yes. with God himself. Yes. But here's what I want to get to. According as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue or excellence. Mm. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. By these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption. Man, this is the very thing we've been talking exactly. about. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But what he's, and I, I wanted to, I wanted to apply this. What you're teaching, the processes here. You take the divine promises. That's where you start. Either the divine, a divine promise, all the promises of God in Him are yes and amen. There's no no answers to His promises. The promises are divine facts. Mm. Good. By his stripes you were healed and not a promise. That's a fact. That's a fact. And you can put your faith in it. And it exists already. The substance and evidence of that exists already. Oh, yeah. That's the fact, too. That's the fact. So, and besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue or excellence, to virtue or excellence, knowledge, to knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, patience, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness, love. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. We rest our case. Now, if you take this, <laughs> if these things be in you and abound, I believe abound. that's what the reason the Lord had me read abound. this. They have to abound. Yeah. If if you abide in me, Jesus said, and my words abide in you. What's happened? You've, you've spent been. enough time. You've, you've done Study. this yeah. with these scriptures. Exactly. It's a, it's until they have registered on your heart. And then you're just oozing out mm -hmm. of every cell of your body. Yeah. The energy is love. It's abounding. Things start changing. Things start changing. Things start changing. And you know that when you do that, when you abound in love, scientifically, you're now generating out of every part of you in a quantum way that love, and it actually hits each other. So like now, as it's a wave, and then as, it, as our love is hitting each other, little photons are going into our body of energy. So we're sending through. No, no, you want those. You want them. Keep the good ones. Push yes. away the bad ones. So keep the good ones, the love, and push away the bad ones. You've got to literally with your mind also pull the, put up those shields where you actually divert the attacks of the enemy. Now that, what, 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 what this kind of teaching alleviates is the person that says, I just can't see what difference it makes what I say. 
Um, what, what, you know, I mean, yeah. uh, what difference does that make? Well, now we know. Mm-hmm. It makes all the difference in the world. Okay. And she said, or I didn't finish that scripture. Sorry. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you will and it will be done unto you. Exactly. But there's a lot of conditions attached to that. Oh, yeah. And they require a lot of discipline and a lot of mind regulation and a lot of work. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. And that's where we've got to make sure that the technology hasn't made us look for the quick fix, the tablet, the laying on the hands. Watch one broadcast and think it's all better. It's actually a commitment. It's a lifestyle. Constant, lifestyle. continual application of Every faith, day. hope, and love. Every 10 seconds. Every, yeah, hey, all day, every day. Exactly. Gloria received this years ago. I mean, while, we, while I was still a student at ORU, which uh, is 52 years ago now. Wow. And uh, I came home from school. She said, I heard this from God. In consistency lies the power. Ooh, that's very good. I like that. Being consistent. It's very good. Therein lies the power. Now that's building all the networks. It's all so scientific. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. Amen. Revelation is always scientific. We were just starting yes. on learning the Word. That live on it, you know. And you've got states. that revelation at that point, which is Praise incredible. God. And we're out of time. That's a revelation that comes regularly today. I man. know. <laughs> I really prefer the quantum world because there's just no time that we have to get out of. Well, but just hang around a little bit, girl. Maybe we'll get on it the way. Yeah, it's on the way. Hey, man, Jesus is I'm telling you, Jesus is coming. We're, we're at that oh, point so right now. Glory to God. Hadn't this been good? Come on, come on. Information is more available and accessible than ever, yet many find themselves feeling alone, overwhelmed by the constant bombardment from social media and the chaos of their day. In her latest book, Think, Learn, Succeed, Dr. Caroline Leaf teaches you to better understand and use your mind to build a life that is filled with significance. With over three decades of experience in communication pathology, Dr. Leaf has created three practical tools to assist you in your journey towards success in life. The Mindset Guide identifies 15 mindsets and gives you insight into the powerful part they play in shaping how you see the world. The Gift Profile will reveal the unique way you process information by helping you understand how you think. And the Five-Step Learning Process will switch on your brain so that it can grow and build useful memories leading to improved work performance and stronger relationships. Renew your mind daily with the Word and shift your life from survival mode to success in God. Order Dr. Caroline Leaf's book, Think, Learn, Succeed, at a special price of $16.99 on our website, kcm.org slash tvspecial, or call 800-600-7395. Shipping charges may apply. Contact your regional office for more information. You can improve your memory and increase your learning. As you optimize your thought life, you'll unlock your hidden potential to live a meaningful, well-lived life. You know, one of the things my grandmother has taught our family and people all over the world, she said, if you want a change, make a change. And the greatest miracle that has ever taken place in anybody's life is making Jesus the Lord of their lives. You can be born again from death to life 
just simply by making Jesus your Lord and your Savior. And it's simple. It's a prayer. And the Bible says when you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. So let's do it right now. I know many people watching this, you are born again. Jesus is your Lord and that's wonderful. But there may be somebody watching this broadcast right now and you don't even know how you're watching it. You don't even know why you're watching it. But you know this, you need to make a change. This is the change you need right here. And just say it out loud. Father in heaven, I come to you in Jesus' name. I repent of my past and I receive your forgiveness, your cleansing, and I'm asking you, make me new. I believe in my heart that Jesus was raised from the dead. I confess with my mouth, he is the Lord of my life. I ask you to take my life, do something with it, and fill me with your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were born again today, KCM has a free salvation package that they want to give to you. It's a book called He Did It All For You by Kenneth and Gloria Copeland. And along with that, we're going to send you these two brochures just to help you find out how to study, how to read your Bible. If you want this package, it's free. We want to give it to you. Just go to KCM.org today. Let us know you want it. We'll send it to you right away. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you again next time. Until then, remember, God loves you and we love you. And Jesus is Lord. Learn more about your new life in Christ. Request your free salvation package at kcm.org slash salvation.